0: Welcome
1: to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Well, Groundhog Day is right around the corner, friends, and it won't be long before we hear the little marmot's prediction on winter's length. Of course, what we really wish Wired and Willie and Shubenacadie Sam would tell us is if 2021 is going to be a full repeat of 2020 or if we only have a little bit more to endure. What I can say for sure, though, is you won't find any repeats here because amazing women are everywhere in Canada. Which means I can safely say we have at least six more weeks of great interviews to bring you starting today with a look at our education system. Over the last year, our education model has been flipped on its head, and many parents are finding that the current way public education is modeled is no longer working for their kids. It's a huge discussion topic, and over the next few months, we'll be diving into it deeper as we look at alternative models of schooling and ways to inspire our kids in their education journey. Today, I'm speaking with Heather McTaggart, founder of UnschoolingSchool.com, which believes there is no school as usual in this COVID moment, and now is the time to create schooling that works for kids. Anne Brody joins me twice this week. First, she's here with the latest entertainment reviews, including the edge-of-your-seat suspense thriller, The Little Things, starring megastars Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek. Plus, an understated and moving performance from Justin Timberlake in Palmer on Apple TV, and Penguin Bloom, starring Naomi Watts, and, last but not least, Amazon Prime's Small Axe. How's your gut? In the past few years, we've learned that the state of our microbiome can be directly related to everything from mood disorders to chronic disease. Most recently, science has discovered that poor gut health could put you at risk of more severe outcomes if you can track COVID-19. Dr. Sapna Majika, gastroenterologist and co-founder of GI Health Center in Burlington, Ontario, joins me to share what you need to know. In the month of January, we talked about resilience a lot, but simply talking about and defining resilience isn't enough. Sometimes you need to see it in action. Heidi Latsky has done just that with her short film, Suspended Disbelief, featuring Aaron Ball, a circus artist who, when lost on a winter hike for six days, suffered such severe frostbite that she had to have both legs amputated from the knees down. This short seven-minute film is a must-watch. And Brody is back for a second segment this week with an exclusive interview with Emma Caulfield, who plays Dottie, queen of the suburbs on Disney Plus's new WandaVision. If you haven't started watching this yet, I can confirm it's a must-see. And of course, once you get to know Emma a little better, you'll definitely want to tune in. Finally, I haven't highlighted a lot of Canadian musicians on what she said recently, but when Julie Neff's EP was sent to me, I knew I had to have her on for two reasons. One, Julie's voice is mesmerizing and the songs are too. And two, how can I not have someone on who titled their album Over It? Because if that doesn't describe every Canadian woman right now, I don't know what does. It's another full week at What She Said, with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9
0: The Region.
2: They say I must be one of the wonders of God's own creation. Over
1: the past year, our education system has been turned on its head, and many people are just now taking a close look under the hood to steal an expression. The current education system in our country was partially designed to mimic the factory model in order to produce obedient workers, and that reality doesn't really exist anymore. So now what? Heather McTaggart is a social entrepreneur, educator, author, innovator, and consensus builder. She is also the founder of Unschooling School, and while some might call this approach radical, a lot of parents feel it's a natural evolution to education. Heather is joining me today to break it down. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hi, Candace. nice to be here. So I think a lot of people are gonna hear unschooling school and be mortified. I mean, you know, we, we are, we're resistant to change. So what is unschooling school? How does it work?
3: Well, the reason we've chosen that term is because we think that school needs to be less like school. So of course, children need to be educated Uh, And that is a, a natural thing that's happened for all of human existence. School is only, you know, 150 years old or so. So it's not really natural. And in fact, now that we understand more about the brain and we understand more about human evolution, we could look at school and say that's very unnatural. It's very, as you said in the introduction, mechanistic and similar to a factory as opposed to how children have naturally and how humans have naturally evolved to learn and grow and to figure out what society needs from them and to uh, learn how to master that because they're biologically driven to do that.
1: You know, and when I think about sort of, um, you know, where we've come as a society, even just since I was born, you know, uh, pre-computer, our society has advanced by leaps and bounds but my children are still learning in the exact same way I did. So even just for that short period of time, we've not really kept up with how things have changed.
3: Uh, absolutely, and that's that's why we you know give this idea of let's unschool school. So we we've got these buildings, we've got these resources, we've got teachers, many of whom are, are loving, caring people that that adore kids. You know, we've got science labs and gymnasiums, and we've got all kinds of stuff. But what would it look like if we used all those things with a very different philosophy? If we, so our our current education philosophy is that kids need to be taught and that adults need to figure out a prescribed curriculum and regardless of whether or not kids are interested in that. And that's the sort of the dominant philosophy right now. But there's another philosophy, which is a more naturalistic philosophy that says kids are born to learn that they are biologically driven to figure life out and that they will ask for help, which could include teaching or instruction or classes when they need it. And that's the more natural approach. So if we unschooled our schools, we could say, all right, some kids would like to be free learners. They would like to be in charge of their education and they'll use resources and tools and programs at schools when they feel they work for them. But let's also give them the option to opt out. And you can sort of think about it and imagine, you know, when you were, you yourself as we were a kid, if you were allowed to pursue, let's say it was science. And let's say you loved science, but you did not want to go to the gym and do any gym classes or participate in music. You just wanted to spend all the time in the science lab. Well, we'd, we'd all say that was great. Our system won't let kids do that.
1: I think a lot of parents are probably nodding their head in agreement. Even just you know thinking back on their own days at school and the the things you know we always joke about we never use right we never right. use what a parallelogram is <laughs> or the periodic table right How many right, times but have you but that you brought that up in a casual tax class would have been great uh, you yeah. know so um, you know so what does um, what would an ideal day look like for a free learner? Well, an ideal
3: day would be as individual as people, you know, it's the old, uh, no two snowflakes are alike, no two kids are alike. So, you know, if, if a little kid is allowed, so let's go with a little kid first. If a little kid is six or seven is allowed to, you know, by his parents say, you know what, you're a free learner. We're going to let the kid, school know you're a free learner and you can do the things you want and opt out of the things you don't want. So that kid might go to school and the class is all the first assignment of the day. The first subject is we're all going to be doing a novel study. And we're reading this novel and we're talking about it. So let's say Betty, you know, she likes that part and she's doing all that. And then after an hour, the teacher says, OK, we're finished with novel study. Um, now we're going to uh, now we're going to go to, um, you know, the, the gym and everybody's going to learn the fundamentals of volleyball. So let's say Betty says, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to stay here and continue reading this novel. And I've decided I'm going to write a report about it and I'll give it to you later. So, with an enlightened educator, that teacher would say, Sure. And would know from advance, in advance, from the parents that this kid is going to make some decisions about what they want to do respectfully, without disturbing everyone, without being a pain in the butt, but just saying, I am a human being. I have human rights. And one of the most basic human rights is to decide how I spend my time.
2: And I don't care
3: about the rules of volleyball. I'm interested in this novel study.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And what interests them as well, right? Totally. So, in an ideal world, then, let's just imagine that we shifted our education to this free learning movement what would our world look like? How do you think things would shift in our society if we allowed people to chase the things that they love to learn?
3: Well, I would think that we found
1: out that in one
3: way or another, everyone is brilliant. Everybody has a brilliance. Everybody has something that they can be really, really good at. But when we, you know, we continue to stick to what's called, you know, there's a, a wonderful uh, book out right now called Dark Horse. And it talks about the, the standardization covenant. And that is that there is one way to do things and everybody must do it the same, only better. And so that leads to a very competitive society where there's right and wrong and only one sort of way to get to anything. And, and you lose a lot of creative solutions and some people don't fit well with that model. And so we lose their greatness so, I mean, we, we truly believe that if everybody was allowed to pursue their interests, we'd have a lot more breakthroughs in every area. You know, that if, if we had a whole fulfilled and self-actualized human population, just imagine the problems that we can solve in the world.
1: So right now, I imagine, I, I mean, I don't know enough about this yet, but I imagine there are places that you can send your children to be unschooled or to free learn, which would co- have a cost associated with it, which makes it out of reach for most people. So how do parents who, who would like to see this be implemented in the public system, um, how would they get involved in this to, to see if we could get this as, you know, they could get it tested in their school or tried out themselves? Where would they start
3: They would start at unschoolingschool.com. And what we've laid out there is actually everything they need to get started and to answer those questions. So the first place to go is the resources section. And there's a crash course, which is really just a series of of YouTube videos um, on the power of self-directed education. So if, if parents, if this resonates, if you hated school, or you can see one of your kids hate school, or they're bored, and it's not enough for them, and in one way or another, it doesn't fit, then you need to understand more about the fact that we're actually born to learn. So this crash course in self-directed education will make you pretty quickly an expert. You'll be like, aha, I got it. So then once you've got that, you can go over to the free learner tab. And that describes what we believe a free learner is, how you designate your child a free learner, how you communicate that to the school. And we have developed what we call a free learner individual education plan. So that's a tool that schools now use when they have um, a child that's assessed and deemed to have a learning disability. And then they have an individual plan. Well, we've said, no, we can decide that we have a child who's different, they're a free learner, and this is going to be their different education plan. So those tools are there, um, including an alternate diploma, because one of the things that's in the way of kids doing the things they want is our course-based diploma system. So we think that it's time to, to pilot test an alternate type of diploma that really shows better readiness for what's next in life because it's individual to that kid.
1: All right. Excellent. So one more time then for people, if they want to know more, what is the website and do you have any social channels?
3: Yes. So it's unschoolingschool.com. We have a Facebook group, Unschooling School, and we have a Facebook page, Unschooling School. Um, So the Facebook group is is starting to get more and more lively. So we encourage people to go there. We have often on Tuesdays at noon Eastern, we have an open um, uh, Zoom call. And that's usually publicized, uh, or that's always publicized on the unschooling school Facebook group, All right. and on the um, on the website. There's uh, this sort of the core team is there, which is a, a group of volunteer educators, and you can get in touch with any of them personally, so you can see where they are, and and you can also sort of join the whole process on
1: the website. All right, incredible, Heather. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was great. Thank you. It's nice to be here.
4: Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
1: We are lucky today to have Ann Brody joining us not once, but twice. So first up, we're going to do some reviews of movies you can't miss. And later on in the show, she has an interview with Emma Caulfield from WandaVision. Welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you, Candace. So first up, I got to tell you, you send me trailers every week. Uh, you sent me one with Denzel Washington, and I had white knuckles watching it. Yeah, and you've just told me you won't watch it and
5: I insist that you do watch it because I need clarification on, on what happened. Well, <laughs> but I must say, it's the most chilling film I've seen in a long time and Jared Leto's uh, Sparma is so psychotic, so out of it. He, he's, he's reaching up towards Hannibal Lecter territory And because he's such a great actor, you believe every bit of it. And The Little Things has three Oscar winners, Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek. So it's about a series of uh, murders in L.A. uh, based on fact. And um, Denzel has been kicked out of the L.A. law force, and he's working up in rural California uh, for malfeasance. So he has to go back to L.A., and he gets involved and I mean, he's a compromised figure. Leto, as I said, is outstanding as as the suspect in the murders. And Rami Malik is this young Turk of a cop in L.A. So the three of them do such great work in this film. Um, you've got to see it. I don't are we Are we going to see this like one? Do you think films. we're
1: do you think we're going to see this film in uh, Oscar nominations yes. this year?
5: Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. All right. I'm going to watch it on, on, the, on your challenge. I'm going to watch it, and I will let you know what I think next week. Looking forward to it. All right. What else do we have?
5: <laughs> Palmer. Now, Justin Timberlake, he really pulls it down a notch, or 10, to play a man recently out of prison after 12 years. He's very young, but he goes and lives with his grandmother, played by the – wonderful June Squibb back in his rural home. And of course, everyone knows that he's been in prison all this time and he, he doesn't really know where to start out. He's bitter. But there's this incredible scene at the beginning, I'll just tell you briefly, where he goes into the bathroom with his towel and his toothpaste and toothbrush and he stops for a moment and then he leaves it there. He's never been able to leave his supplies in the bathroom before. Touches like that make this film so incredibly moving. You'll just weep. And uh, next door to his grandmother is a family living in a trailer, a little boy, uh, sort of a genius little boy, um, and his drug addict mother and abusive uh, stepfather. So Justin's character and this little boy meet each other and help each other. Honest to God, it's wonderful. It just, it takes your breath away. It's so sweet and, but it's not drippy, you know, it's so authentic and real. And you feel as though you're right there with them going through what they go through. And it's not an easy ride. There are a lot of obstacles in their path. So, but it's rewarding.
1: All right. Where can can we catch that one? That one will be on Apple TV plus. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, So just in time for Black History Month, I think we would be uh, neglectful if we didn't mention Small Axe. Small Axe
5: is a a project by
1: Steve McQueen, who did The Last King of Scotland.
5: Um, It's five feature films. So I'll talk about the first one, which is Mangrove, and it concerns the Mangrove Nine, which was a group of activists in London in the 70s who were constantly harassed by racist white police. In their restaurant i think their restaurant initially was raided nine times in four weeks and the harassment finally led to a court case um very nerve-rattling well i guess it's not a spoiler to say that eventually they do win but they continue to be harassed by police for the next 20 years just wow. incredible absolutely incredible so, so
1: it, that's on amazon Yes it is. Yeah. And you have a whole list as always on what she said but we have about a minute left. So if you had to pick one more to share with listeners right now, what would you okay. say they need to watch? Well, it's it's kind of
5: sappy, it's kind of sweet sad, but it's it's kind of lovely too and it's called Penguin Bloom on Netflix. Naomi Watts stars as a, a true story as a woman who um broke her back on vacation and she and her children and husband are really at their wits ends on how to manage and she's depressed well her son saves a broken magpie outside and this magpie changes their lives (laughs) I mean what can I tell you it's very it's it's really lovely a little yeah, it, sentimental but that's okay
1: yeah the trailer the trailer did i have to admit it 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 pushed all the right buttons on me had yeah. the tears flowing that's intent, right yeah just yeah. watching that little trailer i was moved <laughs> okay. uh, all right Dan, we're looking forward to having you back a little later on in the show for your interview uh and thanks for joining me we'll see you next week you betcha girl According to a new scientific review just released this month, poor gut health could put you at risk of more severe outcomes if you have COVID-19. The issue, of course, is that most of us haven't given a lot of thought to our guts prior to this news breaking and aren't sure what steps we need to take to ensure our gut is in optimal shape. Dr. Sapna Makishna, gastroenterologist is the and is the co-founder of GI Health Center in Burlington, Ontario, joins me today to share what we need to know about our gut and how to get it in tip-top shape. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sapna. Thank you. Oh, I should say Dr. Makishna, McKeesh, I'm calling you by your first name.
6: <laughs> whichever's easier, whichever's easier. It's all it fine. was
1: the conversation we had beforehand. I feel like we're old friends now. So, um, we're learning a lot is associated with the health of our gut uh, from everything from depression to disease. Why is our gut health so important to our overall
6: health? First of all, I think that most people don't realize that your gut is the largest immunological organ in the body. Okay, more so than any other part of the body. And it, it, it consists of about 100 trillion microbiota that uh, actually help fight disease Fight mood disorders, uh, help with nutrition, help with memory and learning. And uh, it, it hasn't really gained a lot of attention or traction until the number of, until the, the past five, six years or so. And now there's a lot of uh, research going into that because of the effect that can, it can have on the entire body. And with that immune system being so much in the gut, that's what we actually rely on to fight a lot of infection. And that's how it got the interest of COVID as well. And with the most recent research there. So, are
1: there, what you would consider, you know, if somebody's listening, if, if there's somebody listening and they say like, what are the top offenders for poor gut health?
6: So the biggest or the most obvious one is diet. So you develop your microbiome, that microbiota in your gut by the time you're about three years old. Now, over time, that will change and get modified. Whether you've taken antibiotics, the type of diet you eat, how many infections you've had in your life, particularly affecting the gut, or there's other inflammatory conditions they will also affect the gut, but ultra processed food or um, like excessive added sugar, things that are like boxed in the grocery stores, we already know that they're bad for you. But we also know that they decrease the microbiome diversity, meaning that they reduce the amount of good bacteria, increase the amount of bad bacteria that are present in your gut. So am I
1: right in thinking then that this is sort of like a stacking effect? You know, there's poor diet and then you add in stress and then maybe you add in, you know, other things, other external forces like alcohol or tobacco or drugs. And they. so it's sort of this compounding effect over time.
6: Definitely a part of a compounding effect. I mean, a small study has actually shown that even two hours of stress on the body can affect your microbiome. A lack of exercise can also affect your microbiome. So a small study suggested that even 30 minutes a day, five days a week, after six weeks, actually changes your microbiome to some degree. Uh, We don't really know uh, the exact effects of tobacco, but it's definitely a compounding effect with multiple different things. So what we know is the easiest to modify is diet. Okay so
1: then if let's say that you know you have poor gut health you assume without going to a doctor that you have poor gut health can you reverse it is there a way to turn back the clock a little bit i know that with with sometimes with the liver you can you can get healthier if you give up drinking is this the same
6: with your gut yeah you can help modify uh, your gut health and increase microbial diversity which is what we want of the more good bacteria And you start off with the diet. You start off by having a multitude of fruits and vegetables. Basically we say eat the rainbow and including plant-based things uh, such as legumes and seeds as long as you can tolerate them as well as adding fermentables to your diet. So such as the sauerkraut, the kimchi, uh, pickles, adding those actually really over time help your microbiome and help produce those good cells in your body that will help fight off infection better.
1: So, with COVID-19 specifically, then, what are some of the problems that occur if somebody has poor gut health and they contract COVID-19?
6: Well, one of the things you may recall is that earlier when COVID was developed, we pre- predominantly thought of it as a lung disease. So if somebody didn't have pneumonia or shortness of breath or fevers, we didn't really think it could be COVID. And then as the months got on, went on, we actually realized that a lot of people were just presenting with diarrhea or abdominal discomfort or nausea. And we realized that COVID actually can live in the gut and it can replicate in the gut and it can create uh, predominantly GI symptoms. And the problem with that is those people that had GI symptoms because of the gut having the immune system within it, they can have a much more severe course of disease and COVID aside, anytime there's a gut infection that happens, it can take months to years to recover from it from a gut perspective. So bloating, diarrhea, gas, abdominal cramping, they can all persist in a post-infectious type state for a few years. Well, we've done a lot of interviews over the last year uh, about
1: sort of the benefit of probiotics and addressing gut health and nutrition and diet. So, if somebody's listening and they're they seriously want to take some action now to address these
6: things, um, can they contact you? Yeah, I mean, they would obviously need to contact the the clinic and get a referral through there. Um, It's more so nutrition counseling that we would give. In terms of probiotics, they're they're a supplement, so they're not regulated the same way that uh, medication is. So there's very different probiotics on the market, we don't actually test them to know is that probiotic actually in there, we have no idea, as well as the individual's uh, bodies respond differently to probiotics. So happy to see anybody in consultation that would like more information on this in the future at GI Health Centre.
1: Okay, and can we find you
6: on social? Yeah, I'm uh, both for Instagram and Twitter, I'm at MD, And then uh, the website for GI Health Centre is www.gihc.ca. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you.
4: More with Candace Sampson and What She Said coming up on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region.
2: Last month, we've been talking
1: about resilience a lot, but simply talking about and defining resilience isn't always enough. Sometimes you need to see it in action. My next guest has done just that. Heidi Latsky has directed the short film Suspended Disbelief featuring Erin Ball, who when lost on a winter hike for six days suffered such severe frostbite that she had to have both legs amputated from the knees down. After two years of rehabilitation, beginning with prosthetics, she learned to rebuild her strength as an aerialist and continue teaching others at Circus Arts. Heidi Latsky is joining me now to discuss some of the details behind the making of suspended disbelief. Welcome to the show, Heidi. Good to be here. So how did Aaron Ball come to your attention?
7: So there's a whole confluence of things that happened. Uh, In 2015, I started creating these live sculpture courts called On Display. And when we were at the Whitney Museum, one of my performers said, you know, Heidi, I would love to be in the air, suspended. He's a wheelchair user. It would be so great if I could be suspended in the air and like being, be a sculpture in the air and people could take photos of me, whatever. And, we, and he came, I think I came up with this title of suspended disbelief. And I have family in Toronto, visiting in Toronto. And I think, I can't remember exactly, but I believe Erin reached out to me. And so I met with her in Toronto and I met with her in her studio. Um, And I saw a wheelchair and she was wearing prosthetics, but then I saw this wheelchair and I asked her about the wheelchair and she said she'd created that wheelchair to suspend from the silks so that she could in the air with the chair and i was like oh my god you know that's exactly what we wanted to do and so right then and there she got the wheelchair suspended in the air and we started playing and i didn't we didn't even know each other um and because of that short introduction to each other we decided to create a 30 minute solo for her in the air to be part of a piece that I did in 2018 in New York City, um, which was, it was, you know, she was incredible to work with because we were working remotely and she'd never done anything like this before because I was asking her to be very slow, eyes closed, eyes open. This is all about the intimacy of the sculpture or the intimacy of the view between the viewer and the viewed. So there's no tricks, you know, aerial work is very presentational and I was taking all that away. And um, after that experience, I decided that I really wanted to work with one of my performers in New York who's very similar experience to Aaron. And create a volumetric video or hologram of him in the air and we applied for a Canada Council grant but of course COVID hit and I thought wow Erin has her own studio so it's not an issue right of COVID it's safe we have this piece already she's be- beautiful asked her if she would want to do it Canada Council said they would support it because the the film is actually my research for the hologram it's a it's a way of looking at all the different angles because a hologram you know is like you see every angle so with when you're watching it you can walk around it it's a 360 experience so you know she got the solo back that we did and it was even better so much better than it had been And even Erin says since COVID, there's been such a depth of experience, right? There's a slowing down that she was able to accomplish that within the structure of the solo in a much deeper way. And the footage, we got Josh Lyon who's a cinematographer and filmmaker to film the rehearsal, like to film her doing this And then both Josh and myself are creating these films. So my film, Suspended Disbelief, um, we're going to do screenings next month. Um, That's, you know, it's a seven minute film, but it's really very much about the, it's really much about intimacy with the performer.
1: So I have to tell you, I, I, so I've had the privilege to watch this and uh, I watched it last night and it's mesmerizing and it's the music it's the movement it's the uh it's it's knowing that she's overcoming all these obstacles to do this 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 art that requires incredible incredible physical and mental strength um it's absolutely beautiful and the music i just want to talk about for a second where did the music come from that accompanied this so um
7: my very, very good friend Sharon Weiner, who lives in the Vancouver area in BC, um, we went to Carleton University together. And then she became, she really lead, uh, went down a very spirit, a beautiful spiritual path, and is a therapist and also a singer and a vocalist. And, and she wrote her own music. And I had this. Album of hers, but I hadn't listened to it in a long time and I was sharing with her some of the footage from in November from our shoot. And she said, Oh my God, Heidi, this, this piece returning would be so beautiful with it and I'm always hesitant because I'm very, very picky when it comes to music. So I said, you know, well, I'll try it. And as I was editing the film. I put her music, you know, with it, and to me it was just perfect because it—it's not—it's grounding. Uh, the music is grounding. I feel like her, it's very internal. It's—it's it's again re- very repetitious, um, and Aaron really liked it, which meant a lot to me. And so, yeah, that—that's how that came about. It just seemed to fit so well for what we what I was trying to accomplish with the film
1: so as a filmmaker then um you know let's talk a little bit about resilience for you in a COVID era what has this meant for you well film is
7: in you know I don't consider myself I I have made films so my first film was commissioned in 2014. I am a choreographer. I mean, that's really what I do and what I'm a dancer, choreographer and artistic director of my company. But I was part of this, um, I think it was somewhat an experiment where three choreographers were chosen to create films. And I made my film soliloquy. It was one of the most Wonderful experiences. I loved having my dancers in my computer. I mean, I did have professional cinematographer editors, but I ended up editing a lot of it myself before I gave it over to my editor. And I haven't done one since. And then COVID hit. Well, we have no performances. And so Lincoln Center actually, for the 30th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act invited me to create something for that. So I made a film called Solo Flight in iMovie because that's what I'm literate in, which is, you know, very raw. And I decided then to just keep making them. And so it's actually the filmmaking It is saving me because I'm able to talk to my dancers, have them do something at home, they film themselves, they send it to me and I'm creating these, I, I call them movement portraits. And so Suspended Disbelief is part of this series called Solo Flight. I didn't know that it would be because it really is about research for the hologram, but I, I really, uh, I think it's very poignant and very beautiful and so um, and it fits into this idea of a very intimate experience with with the artist so in a way my resilience is through film right like this is what's saving me as an artist because i can do it at home
1: yeah and i and i just want to reiterate for everybody that it is something that you really can enjoy at home i was just as i said mesmerized by this so where can people find this film and where can they find you, Heidi? Okay, so the film has not been
7: released yet. What we are doing are two screenings on February 7th and February 16th um, on Zoom. And people can find that information on my site, HeidiLatskyDance.org, everything is there. And once, because to me, the film is not completely finished. So this is just like a a sneak peek. Once it's completed, I'm not quite sure what we're gonna do with it. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, I think we might wanna, we're probably gonna try to get it into some festivals first, and then we'll put it out to the broader public. So Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to come. And the beautiful thing about these two events, they're free and all the collaborators will be there. So the people will be able to ask questions to Aaron or Josh, Sharon or myself and, or, and hear, hear about you know how we made the film. Okay,
1: incredible. So we're gonna, well, I will be sure to share all of those links then when we share this interview uh, with people on social media. And uh, I wish you continued luck with this. It's been great to meet you. And I look forward to continuing this conversation another time.
7: Great, thank you so much.
1: Back for a second time this week now is Anne Brody with an exclusive interview with Emma Caulfield from WandaVision.
5: You know, the, the week of the premiere was unlike any other premiere that I've been involved with over all these many years. I mean, the, the secrecy, the, the rush by the press to get access to the couple of screeners that we got, it was insane. You've been in a lot of popular shows before, but tell me... <laughs> this is next level,
0: isn't it? Everything with Marvel is next level. Everything is just the most. It's like, I, I just, it's so cool. Yeah. Like, it's just really, yeah, I, I don't even know. I have never been in, and you could tell, I could go on, you know, my first day on the set and all of it. I'm like, power and money (laughs) right now like this and and planning right and planning it's just like everything about like you know you work on indies or you work on you know even shows that have a really good budget or whatever it's just nothing compares to what I stepped into just because the world is so vast and so everything that they do is so reflective of that I mean everything is just um there's just no mistaking that you're working for this massive entity—it's like An it's entity. Just, yeah. It's, yeah, it's its own organism. It's very cool. Right. I mean, yeah. it was tough getting access
5: to the screeners because the as I was told, and I yeah. completely believe it. The whole world is trying to get on, so I had to. I had to wait my turn.
0: Oh, it was so beautiful. Like I shot it, and I still had no idea what was going on, like how it was going <laughs> to look. I didn't see any of it. It's like how I mean, I saw like, especially with the black and white. Like I saw, you know, the monitor. Once or twice, uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" But then to actually see it—it's just so beautiful. I mean, it, yeah, their it's... their their attention to detail is just insane. They're so. To everyone involved with this project, are just on another level. I'm was just constantly humbled by everybody all the time. Like, God, you are like literally the top of your field. There's just—it's—it's it's really uh, intimidating. Amazing! Oh, God, don't yeah. mess up, and you've been sitting on it for a long time, right? Yeah, since October that? 19. Um, it's hard. I mean, I'm I'm a really good secret keeper. Actually, I, <laughs> I I I I do as like a you know, you tell me secret, and I'm like, uh huh, and then dump the file. And so that's what I just was doing. I'm like, right, okay it got more difficult as time went on. Obviously we would have wrapped yeah. a lot sooner than we did, but we broke obviously for COVID and, you know, we, sh- we left. There was a- we were always shooting in Atlanta and, and, and in LA, that was always the plan. It just, everything got uh, everything just switched up because of the world right. kind of no came kidding. to a screeching halt. So um, sure, yeah. we ended up finishing, la- oh gosh, it's so last November. We would have, should have been, I think, finished last may or someplace in there and we were shooting a lot of outdoor stuff um in our one of our worst heat waves we were having i mean it was absolutely diabolical how hot it was and then you know we're all just like oh my god they just like trying not to pass out we're like this is. and then you have all the like the really hot lights and everything and you're just trying to like (laughs) But I got to tell you, together. the
5: look is sensational. The look yeah, the looks, great. So, looks great. so everything looks great. Oh, good. And <laughs> yeah. there's Dottie all done up and her hair is all up. done up. And I guess you're struggling to keep it done up. But,
0: you no, know. That's I all wigs. Think, we all wore wigs. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, thank no. Goodness. We, every, everybody was wigged. was yes. such a blessing. just made life so much easier.
5: <laughs> and, of course, you know, I, there's someone on Twitter called your character the almighty queen of the suburbs, which is True. fine, but I think of Dottie more than like a an author- authoritarian despot, <laughs> but yes. I don't think that's I wish thought. I'd say you I modeled know?
0: her after Trump, but I did not. Yeah, she had uh, with an iron fist that one. Yeah, yeah, she
5: does. But I mean, it's <laughs> not unusual. We see this a lot in in um, in like primary schools and high schools mm-hmm. and and in all kinds mm-hmm. of places and businesses mm-hmm. and You know, so how do you connect with her? Because you've got to connect with her in a way that is meaningful to you,
0: right? At least the physicality aspect, you know, that was something that was, that had to exist almost, you know, because we were, we were recreating a certain period of time. We're recreating a very specific sitcom vibe, you know, the the mid-Atlantic accent. You know, there's a lot of, there was just a lot of, a lot of technical aspects that had to work. Um, you know, we had an amazing voice coach. Um, she's just a godsend and, you know, um, you know, the costumes were just so great. You know, once oh, she was incredible, once all of those aspects came together, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, there's, there's Dottie like there it is I mean I had I had ideas about what I how I wanted her to be um but then you know getting it in the 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 clothes and the the whole hair and just you know getting the voice right and all of that then you know my yeah yeah, it's very much like this this thing and then then you start going back and going and, and going okay let's do the internal stuff like what's happening here um, wow, and because I was never like- a queen bee by any means at all, I could not be far farther from a queen bee growing up or in any time, really. <laughs> like that is, I mean, honestly, I had a premiere four timer with Jack Schaefer and the person, the uh, the company who threw the premiere, and actually just telling the story to somebody, it was so funny. For some reason, Jessica Alba uh, was there you know, your celebrities, you go to different premieres and whatever, and, and she was there, it's fine, but that actually came with to check. I couldn't figure out why Jessica Alba was sitting at my, my table with the director and, and the, some other, like, actors from the film and whoever was running the whole thing could give a, can I swear? I won't could give a, could give a, could give a damn yeah. Yeah. that I was there, the, the lead of the film. And she was <laughs> all about Jessica Alba and making sure Jessica Alba had enough to eat and drink and making sure she was really comfortable. And I was like, this is so weird. I'm the star of this movie and you don't give a, you literally want, you just, you, do you think Jessica Alba's in the movie? Like I'm a confused. And you to Jessica what? Alba's credit, she was certainly the sweetest, but I was yeah. like, well, I'm not even, I'm not even Miss Popular right now. And I'm, I'm starring in the movie. So like to play the queen bee where everyone listens to me. I'm like, I legit have no, no experience with that whatsoever. So, <laughs> well, I just, you uh, know, some
5: people are going to be embarrassed in a couple of weeks or are already <laughs> by that. That's a funny story. They like really good. Uh,
0: like I, like I didn't notice. Oh, well, I never said anything about it. I was just like, okay.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Well, I, you know, Jack and I just <laughs> laughed. We're like, "What, what's happening to you?" I, it's like, I don't know, Jack. I don't know. <laughs> now, you know,
5: like Wanda is what she is, uh-huh. and I awesome. get guess in the three uh, episodes that I saw, that
0: uh, Dottie's on to her. Can you? Oh, that, that she's that she's that she's what. Sort of on. Oh, you to said her? that I thought you said that Dottie's on, and I was like, uh huh. And then you no, said on to yeah. her, and I was like, wait, what? No. No, on. She's she's on to Wanda.
5: <laughs> so this is the beginning of the um, the hints. I don't know how far you can go on this, but I can't uh, say
0: anything. But okay. definitely, Dottie. Dottie was very much aware, at least briefly, that this was not right. Yeah. Right. Oh, her, her 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 whole her whole world suddenly just got shifted right in front of her eyes and didn't didn't you know I can't I literally can't I can't I, I was I, I was I was actually gonna say it's almost like and then I thought wait a minute nope <laughs> I can't say that either I I'm literally that's hilarious that's I can't say anything but I, that I, that is that is true yes she definitely she's on to had her. a moment where her where. The, the, the reality of that situation was, 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 was not computing. Oh, man. Nicely yeah. done. Thank you.
5: Nicely done. Thank you so much, Emma. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Thank you.
2: Thank Bye. you very much.
4: Stick around more. What she said with Candace Sampson coming up on one Oh five, nine, the region. Welcome back to what she said with Candace Sampson on one Oh five, nine, the region.
1: are closing out today's show with a song from Julie Neff's brand new EP called Over It. If you haven't heard of Julie yet, I have a feeling you'll be hearing a lot more from her really soon. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't have a lot of musicians on the show. I have to tell you, I just, you know, it's just something I haven't done. But when your uh, EP was sent to me, I was hooked from the first
8: Song. So, what inspired you to write this? Um, thank you so much. I'm really excited about it. Um, honestly, this this was kind of a series of events in my life where I I kind of came to the breaking point, I guess, of of really being over a lot of situations. Hence the title, "Over It," um, and getting to that place where I finally felt maybe confident enough, or maybe frustrated or angry enough to actually communicate what was wrong kind of where the boundary needed to be and start making some steps to move forward. So all of the, all of the songs kind of stem from that with each of their own separate themes. And how long did it take you to write this? Um, You know, I started writing it probably the first song, probably four years ago, but I didn't really put it all together until 2019. Um, So I think with a lot of creative things and especially with music, sometimes there are little buds of ideas and then, you know, it's maybe a year before you actually sit down and put lyrics to something. Um, But it was, it all came together in about a week when I was on a writing retreat in Mexico, um, working on all the different things.
1: Well, I think that this is going to resonate with people, uh, particularly, you know, with 2020 and 2021 and everybody being pretty much over it. Yes, <laughs> so <yes. laughs> I think it, I think a lot of people will really get uh, this uh, EP, the songs on it. So um, if people want to find you, Julie, where can they connect with you and where can they find this album?
8: Yeah, so you can find the album anywhere you stream your music um, on Apple Music, Spotify, all the places. My name is Julie Neff. Can find me on there and then we can also connect on instagram at julie neff music all right incredible thank you so much for joining me today julie uh you're about to hear
1: over it by julie Neff, the title track off her new ep
2: i've been over it a while but it's still not over my mic is rising up and my body's going under every time i turn the page it gets down in the middle knocked back down makes you feel so little
1: That's it for what she said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshe said talk.com and be sure to follow on social at what She said talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 1059 The Region.
4: Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059TheRegion.com.